Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Welcome to the Casting Across Fly Fishing Podcast. I'm Matthew of castingacross.com, where I explore the quarry and culture of fly fishing. This is episode 129, and we're going to talk about fly fishing with kids today. Now, hold on. If you heard that and you say, well, I don't have kids, then that's okay. There's going to be stuff here that is for you because although we're talking in the context of children, you know, this is really kind of stuff that is applicable for getting somebody else into fishing. So I suppose if you don't want to go fishing with anybody, you don't want to pass it on, then I guess this is not for you in toto. However, I can't imagine that is the case if you've been listening to me for any period of time. But before we get to that, two administrative notes. The first one is I say it at the end of the podcast every week, but I just want to again express gratitude for those who leave ratings and reviews, particularly on iTunes. The reviews are awesome. I, I really do appreciate it if you just take a second and tap that star rating. It is good for just getting the podcast in front of more eyes and consequently more ears and being able to build this community, which I truly do appreciate. I love hearing from people. I love getting interactions. And again, I like to see this podcast as a gateway into a much, much bigger world of fly fishing and of exploration for you into the topics that I talk about. That's the first thing. Ratings and reviews. Awesome. Second thing, kind of to tag on the end of what I just said, next week, so seven days from now, I will be releasing another Fly Fishing Accusations, which is where I interact with tweets and comments on the website and emails and messages of all sort. So if you have a question, a comment, or of course, an accusation, feel free to let me know. Matthew at castingacross.com. I got a really long email. I think two really long emails just in the last like 45 minutes. So I definitely have fodder for next week's podcast, but if you have something good, then see if you can get bumped to the top of the list. But regardless of if I mention it on the podcast or not, I will get back to you. I promise. All that said, now it is time to get to the podcast proper, Fly Fishing with Kids. So let me say this. Two, I know that this is the longest preamble in Casting Across Fly Fishing podcast history, but bear with me. 
I've wanted to talk about this for a long time. I have a number of articles on the website which go back over six years now of content talking about fishing with kids because the entirety of my time with casting across, I have had children. I have four boys. If you've listened to the podcast long enough, you've heard uh, three of them, but they are nine, six, four, and two, and all of them have had a fly rod in their hand to one degree or another. Um, the oldest couple, all those three have caught fish completely on their own, and um, all of them have gone fishing with me on numerous occasions. And this is something that I really am passionate about just because I don't want this to be my thing and my thing alone. I want this to be a gateway for us to have interaction for not just today, but for the rest of life. And so I really think there's a lot of good that comes from fly fishing, a lot more than just catching a fish. But why haven't I talked about this on the podcast more up to this point? Well, part of it is every time I think, okay, I I really want to do a podcast on fly fishing with kids, I'll get on iTunes or to another podcast catcher or something like that and just scroll through and see the other podcasts that kind of are in the top whatever 25 and see if they are covering that topic. And it pretty much happened every time in the last year, year and a half where if I wanted to do one, somebody else had talked about in the previous few weeks. And not that I don't think there's enough space to talk about the same thing really back to back. It's just, it's not my preference. So all that said, I actually didn't do that this time. So someone, one of the big podcasts, Tom Rosenbauer or maybe April Vokey talked about this this morning. I don't know. I just chose to do it because I wanted to do it, partially because uh, my boys were taking pictures of, uh, of some fishing gear yesterday for me, which was really cool. But a couple of things to talk about. First and foremost, buy your kids a fly box. So buy your kids a fly box. Buy your grandkids a fly box. I actually got this idea from a friend of mine who did this for his future grandkids. I think once he found out that his daughter was going to have a baby, he got a fly box and just started putting flies in it. And even when this baby was teeny tiny, he would put a handful of flies in and knowing him, he probably would write in a journal or make notes about what fly it was, what the occasion was, why he put it in the fly box, but not so that it could be kept as a keepsake, but that she would have a full fly box by the time she was able to go out and stand with her grandpa in the river and cast a fly rod. Uh, I think that was a really cool idea. I have not gotten that advanced with it. All I have done is once my boys are four years old, I think is the, the birthday, then they've, they've gotten it. They've got a fly box and they just start filling it with flies. I'll give them a couple out of my box. I let them choose things that they think are pretty or, or whatever. And then every time we go to a fly shop, whether that be a small local fly shop or that we have to run into Bass Pro Shop or Cabela's for something, let them pick out two or three flies. I mean, you're talking five to seven dollars and they get to pick out anything. They've got tarpon flies in there. They've got size 26 midges in there, whatever they want. And inevitably, what we end up doing more often than not is fishing for panfish. And so they can cast virtually any of those flies and probably get into fish because what are they picking? They're picking stuff that's buggy and weird looking and bright. And they're able to say, I picked out this fly and I'm catching fish with it. So it's an awesome experience. They take ownership of it. Now that my three older boys are tying flies, you know, they can fill that fly box up with just the ugliest, goofiest, but at sometimes the fishiest kind of stuff that you can think of. So they have their own box, they take ownership of it, and 
they're not using my flies when we go out on the river. They have plenty of flies of their own, so there's never any worry about losing flies. There's never any worry about what flies do I have, do I not have. They can just use their stuff. Now, of course, if we're out and there's a fly that I have that they would benefit from using, I am more than happy for them to use it. But more often than not, they have something in their box. And now they're at the point where some of them have multiple boxes and they can't even fit them all in their, their sling packs. And we have to talk about, okay, well, now this needs to be your bass box. This needs to be your trout box. This needs to be this box and this needs to what use it for in this situation and all that sort of stuff. But it's theirs and they have ownership of it. And even if they're maybe using my rod, my reel, they're using other pieces of gear, they know that their flies, what they're catching fish with, are flies that they've chosen, flies that they've tied, and flies that are theirs. So it's just a, a fun and easy and really inexpensive way to get your kids some investment into fishing. Now, again, this could be grandkids, this could be a neighbor kid, this could be a nephew, this could be anybody. Anybody that you want to get involved in fishing, if you get them a fly box, then now all of a sudden you have a easy thing to do either as a complete gift the next time the you know birthday or bar mitzvah or Christmas or whatever comes up. Now you can either give them you know a dozen flies or just put one fly on the two from tag. And that is something that can be an addition to their collection. So that is my first thought is give them a fly box. And anytime they have an opportunity to get a fly, even if it's just one or two, get them flies. All right, second thing. Second thing is read to your kids. So do this in general. Read all sorts of stuff. Uh, last night, for example, uh, we read a book about baby chicks. And everybody ended up gravitating over to us. It's just this little book about you know, chickens and how they lay eggs and then how the chicks come out. It's a picture book. It's probably geared for the two-year-old, but everybody wanted to be around my wife reading this book about chicks because kids love to be read to. Similarly, uh, same time, uh, I was in the other room reading a The Hobbit to the big boys, and what ends up happening after the little chick book comes, the two-year-old and the four-year-old gravitate over towards me just because kids want to be read to. Did the two-year-old grasp what we were talking about in The Hobbit? No but they like to be read to. And it's it's something that, I mean, I grew up having that happen, and I know that not everybody has had that privilege and luxury and good thing, but I would encourage you to do it. And if you're in fly fishing and you have a, your own child or you have a child that's in your life, then get a fly fishing book for them. The first one that I want to touch on is actually a series of books. I think we only own the first one. It's uh, All of the Little Whirly Bugger. All of the Little Wooly Bugger by Kirk Werner. I'm on Amazon looking at it right now, and you can only buy them used. But I've seen them in fly shops. Uh, every time the fly fishing show rolls around, which, again, those were postponed for 2021, but they'll be back next year, there's always plenty of copies of them. You can get them uh, used, and if your local bookstore or fly shop has them, that's a great thing to pick up. And if they have them, I think they're under 20 bucks a piece. I think if you can get them new, uh, they're like 15 bucks. But great little book. My kids actually got exposed to this uh, through an app that uh, Kirk released uh, years ago. And actually, Kirk Werner was uh, part of me doing what I'm doing now in that uh, his podcast with some of his 
his friends, the Open Fly podcast, was something that I got into when I started getting into fly fishing, social media, and podcasting, and just paying attention to this uh, culture and community again after being out of it and just kind of being a, a fly fishing hermit for maybe five or six years. But anyway, that's a, that's a story for a different day. But Olive, the Little Wooly Bugger, is a great book. It is a cute story. It is fun art. And there's enough bits and pieces of fishing in there that it's a good springboard for you to have conversations with your kids about fly fishing and about using probably the most effective and best fly in the history of the world. Another book that I think is excellent is Down by the River, A Family Fly Fishing Story by Andrew Weiner, and this came out a couple of years ago. And if you listened to the last time my kids were on, I'm pretty sure one of them gave this as their recommendation. You know how I give my recommendations at the end of every podcast? I had my kids give their gear or fly fishing item recommendation, and I think one of my boys gave Down by the River. This is a great story about a family fishing together, and again, the story is good. You get to hear this uh, little kid uh, go fishing with his mother and grandfather, and he gets to hear grandpa's fishing stories, then he gets to actually go fishing with grandpa and and it's just a, it's a great story. The artwork is fantastic. I I catch my kids with the book open, looking at the front inside cover and the back inside cover, which have all the fly patterns with their labels on them. And I, I catch them doing that often. So it's a cool book. Uh, the story is great, but the pictures and the artwork are just just fantastic. So definitely check that one out as well. Um, Andrew Weiner has done work with the Mayfly Project also, so there's um, just some good, good stuff there. So read to your kids. So the first thing, get them a fly box. Secondly, read to them. Or if you are a grandparent or an uncle or a neighbor, and if your kid fishes or doesn't fish, then this is a great opportunity to get them something. Hopefully you're buying books for your kids. Hopefully that is something that is in the realm of ideas for gift giving. And if the kid doesn't have a lot of books, then this is going to be something novel and unique and different. And be like, hey, it's like an iPad, only you can touch it and you can smell it and you can, you know, instead of swiping, you just turn it and, you know, the batteries never die. And maybe I'm dating myself a little bit and maybe I'm getting a little bit preachy, but there's just something so very good about a kid having a book, reading it him or herself, or having it read to him or her. So books are good. So fly box, books. Thirdly, thirdly, low expectations. So you want to know something that I have learned? Uh, Have low expectations for when you take a kid fishing. And I'm not saying this to say it's going to stink. It's going to be a grind. It's not going to be any fun. But if you anticipate being able to fish yourself and you think that you're going to have all these Kodak moments of them holding up giant stringers of, of you know, a dozen trout like on the uh, front of the Eagle Claw hook package, then you are going to be sorely mistaken. Do those days happen? Yes, those days happen. There's days where it's just fish after fish and you're tired before the kid is tired. And those days will come, but more often than not, it's five minutes of fishing and then chasing butterflies. It's five minutes of fishing and then saying, can we go back to the playground by the parking lot? It's somebody falling in before five minutes of fishing and you having to call the whole thing off before you even got the fly tied on the end of the rod. It's five minutes of fishing and them asking, hey, can I use my spinning rod? But you know what? Go for it especially if they're four and six and nine, then go for it. That, that is totally okay. 
And if you respond kindly and generously, and again, have boundaries, don't be a pushover. Give them a little bit more. Say, okay, well, five more minutes of this, and then we'll go go play over there, and we'll come back and we'll fish before we go home. You know, that is totally fine. Don't force them to touch the bluegills' spines. Don't make them put the worm on the hook, you know, don't. which, again, remember, these are kids. What do you want them to do? Do you want them to be perfect 10 and 2 casters that can put a small dry fly in the precise location at 45 feet in front of them and catch a very, very large wild trout? Or do you want them to be outside with you engaging in the kind of same general activity that you enjoy engaging in? I think so. And I think that's what should take that prime spot in your expectations. So whether it be a worm and a bobber or whether it be a fly rod, just get out there and enjoy being in nature. I think that's one of the most important thing. The fish will come, but they come after the experience. Fish will come, but they will come after the experience. Just think about yourself. Think about taking adult fishing. You know, you need to point everything out. What what do you enjoy about fishing? It's not just, all right, I'm at work. I need to be in the river casting right now. It's the whole thing. It's the whole experience. It's the whole ritual. Point that out to the kids. Point that out. Hey, we're going to stop and we're going to get breakfast on the way. We're going to get in the back of the car and we're going to make sure all of our gear is laid out perfectly so that we know where everything is. All right, this is how we put on our boots. This is how we rig up our rods. You know, this is what we need to pay attention to. All right, look, as we walk to the stream, I saw some deer over in this clearing the last time I came down. Look at that giant hornet's nest. Watch out for the poison ivy. And those conversations on the way to the water are just as important. The things that you appreciate, you probably take for granted and don't necessarily vocalize to yourself or maybe to your adult friends. Those are the kind of things to talk about while you are with your kids, whether they're two or whether they're 12. Great example of this is, I mean, I talk incessantly to my kids when they're in the grocery store when they're little. You point things out. You talk about stuff. It's probably super obnoxious to the people that's around you, but it's a great way for your kid to be a part of what you're doing. And the same thing is true when you're out on the water. So, you know, have them appreciate nature. And if they end up spending time turning over rocks and, heaven forbid, throw rocks into the water... But you're able to talk about the rocks. You're able to talk about the waters. Like, oh, look, at we just scared some fish. Look at where they were sitting. Remember that the next time we're not throwing rocks and we're actually fishing. You pick up the rocks. You look at the little caddisfly scurrying around on the bottom of it. Those things are worth doing and worth having that conversation with your kids about. Um, there's more to it, though, than that. You know, you're just being together, being together. How much of fishing is just being together. I had that conversation with somebody recently. We were planning a fishing trip, and he's like, you know what? It doesn't matter if we end up catching a whole bunch. It'll be just nice to be hanging out, you know, doing something together on the stream bank. It's like, okay, absolutely. I get that. And kids have the exact same mentality. You know, kids are actually at that beginning point of that journey where their kind of goal and what they want out of the experience is just to have that experience. After you've fished for a while, you know, you go through that whole, I want to catch fish, I want to catch lots of fish, I want to catch big fish, I want to catch that one fish. And then you just go to, you know what, I just want to have a good time. Well, the kids are in that same spot. So if you've been fishing for a long time, the things that you enjoy about being outside are probably the same things that a child are, is going to enjoy about being outside. So just talk about it. 
and have that experience with them. So get them a fly box, read to them, get them a book, and then just enjoy being with them outside. And the last thing I want to say kind of on this topic is that I'm not perfect. I don't do this incredibly well all the time. There's times when I am quite impatient. There's times when I do want to, hey, let me, you just, just stay on the bank. Just don't move. Don't fall in. I see a fish. I need to make a cast. I need to try to catch this fish. That happens. And sometimes it's okay. Sometimes it's me being selfish and impatient and all that sort of stuff. So I am not the expert on how to parent. I'm not the expert on how to parent in fly fishing, uh, but I'm trying. And I think that there is a lot of lessons I've learned about parenting in the big picture as I've parented out in nature, learning how my kids take risks, learning how they interact with the exact same stimuli in their world as different people. You know, they're, they're different. They're all my flesh and blood, but they're all different little people. And so being able to watch them and learn that, see how they're more like their mother, and in some ways that's a very, very good thing. Just being outdoors with my kids has made me a better dad. And so I would encourage you to do the same thing. And again, you know, change the language in your head if this is you with a new fishing buddy or if this is you as a grandpa or this is you as a neighbor or this is you as kind of the third wheel if you get dragged along with a father and son fishing trip all the time. So hopefully you've gained something from this. There's a ton of content out there on the internet, but I would certainly recommend that you check out what I've got on castingacross.com. I've got a number of articles about not just flashing, fishing with kids, but also with fishing with kids and just being outdoors with them in general because you know they are people i have to be reminded of that by my wife all the time they're kids but they're people too so there's just a lot of similarities between their experience and your experience this week on castingacross.com the first article was a review waiters with zippers worth it waiters with zippers worth it so uh when i first saw that they were making waders with zippers. I don't know how long ago this was, maybe five years, eight years. I didn't do the research to figure out when the first mass-produced zippered waders came out, but it feels like maybe six or seven years ago. I don't know. I thought, okay, that's a product specifically designed for people who want to use the restroom on the river. And I thought, that's not for me. I don't need that. I don't need uh, a product that has one more place to fail. Then more and more companies started making them. More people that are high-energy anglers started using them. And within the last four or five months, I found myself with a pair of zippered waders. And I am here to say they are worth it. Not to spoil the article, not to spoil the review. I certainly recommend you go and check them out. But uh, I think there's a lot of benefits to having zippered waders that go far beyond the ease of relieving yourself if you happen to be a man. I will recommend the particular pair of waders that I am using at the end of this podcast, so stick around and I will mention those and some of the features about them that that I liked. But yeah, waders with zippers, worth it? The answer is yes, but read the article. Wednesday's piece was called The Fly Fishing Syllabus. So I... I teach. I enjoy teaching. I enjoy communicating with people. Obviously, I do it all the time through through this medium, but I do it in different contexts. But one of the first kind of formal opportunities that I had 
to teach was in college. And I was working part-time at a YMCA, giving tours of the facility and doing some uh, data entry and things like that. But I had the opportunity to teach a fly fishing class at a local church that was doing kind of outreach and community engagement programs. Somebody had found out that I fished and word got around through mutual friends, and they called me up. And pretty soon I was there on like Thursday nights from 7 to 8 with my laptop and PowerPoint and going through some very basic fly fishing stuff. And what I learned in that moment was that I know a lot about fly fishing, but when I don't have a rod in my hand, when I'm not on the river, maybe I don't know as much as I think I do because I really have to stop and consider how to articulate this information. When I'm talking about how to make a presentation, what parts of a river hold fish, if I can't point to it and kind of use the environment to to help me explain it, it wasn't that easy. And so this is one of the first opportunities not only to teach in a formal capacity, but it was an opportunity to learn something about my fly fishing, but also my ability to communicate. And so I've said this before on the podcast so many times. I've written about it a lot because I think it is really essential because if we can communicate something, that is how we know that we actually grasp that information. Of course, this is all assuming they have it right. I mean, certainly you can talk all sorts of nonsense all the time, but if it uh, doesn't have any basis in reality, then I guess it doesn't matter. But Again, this is just fly fishing, and so we're talking about you know why you should use a three weight in the mountains and a six weight for uh, trout on big rivers and all the little things that are in there. So that article was called the Fly Fishing Syllabus. This week on the podcast, my recommendation is the Escape Zip Waders. The Escape Zip Waders from Reddington. So this is the waders that I have been fishing out of, and I have really enjoyed them for a couple of reasons. First of all, they are an incredibly lightweight, and I, I hate it when 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 this is the description used of something that is you know in fishing, but it's an athletic cut wader. Um, there's not a bunch of stuff bagged up around me. Uh, I, I don't feel the material crinkling up behind my knees. Now, could this be because they're just a good fit for me? I think that that's part of it, but I also think that they were tailored just to be a little bit more streamlined than your average pair of waders. That being said, they come in, you know, they come in the long sizes and the king sizes, and um, you know, I'm just looking one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten different sizes for the escape waders. I like them also because they are pretty feature light in the sense that there's not a bunch of stuff to get hung up on. There's an interior pocket and there's hand warmer pockets and that is really it. I mean, there's belt loops, there's little integrated gaiters, um, there's the comfortable enough shoulder harness system, but the shoulder harness with the buckles and all that really don't even use that because the great thing about zippered waders is that you can unzip them put them on, you know, up to your waist, then slide your arms through the already attached zippers, or excuse me, the suspenders, and then zip them up. So you're not having to do that little game where you're flipping them over or reaching under your armpit and then over your shoulder. But heavy duty from the waist down, lighter from the waist up, and for $299.99, that's what it says on the website, so it's going to cost you $300, it's just a great pair of waders. 
I have other waders that don't have a zipper that retail at over $300, and these are completely comparable to them in their technology and their seams and all that sort of stuff, but they have the zipper. So if you are interested in getting a pair of zippered waders, then definitely check these out. Oh, the other thing that I like about these, they have a, a button closure at the very, very tip top. So where that waterproof zipper terminates up at you know your, your collarbone, uh, there is a snap that goes from one panel to the other panel which means that if you are zipping them up or down, you can snap that and then you can zip with one hand a little bit easier. So I think that's kind of a cool feature that Reddington decided to include in the escape zip waders. Oh, and lastly, uh, they were super duper wet the other day. I was in the salt water and so I had to rinse them off and uh, the pockets on the front drained incredibly well and dried out almost immediately. Um, I know that's a small thing, but for me, I don't like stuff staying wet. So for me, that was a very good selling point. So there will be a link to the Escape Zip Waders, not only on the show notes for this podcast page, but also at the bottom of my uh, Waders with Zippers Worth It article. Thanks for listening to the Casting Across Fly Fishing Podcast. Please subscribe in your favorite podcast app and rate this podcast on iTunes. Then head over to castingacross.com where you'll find more info on this podcast and three posts a week on the people, places, and things that go into the pursuit of fish. Thank you.